Episode 8, The Photon Podcast. We go all the way to Afghanistan. We're going to talk about the winner of the brand new HT we gave away last episode and talk about the future of The Photon Podcast. Keep it here. AmateurRadio15.com presents Photon, the other ham radio podcast. Sponsored by Main Trading Company. Find them online at mtcradio.com. Now, here's your host, Kale Nelson, K4CDN. Episode 8 of the Photon Podcast. It's hard to believe we've almost recorded and posted 10 of these things, and you guys are still listening. Matter of fact, I've got folks contacting me saying, Kale, would you please do us an episode every week? Are you kidding? I've got five kids. I'm doing the best I can to get you every other. Until the time arrives, we're going to keep rolling with every other week episodes here on the Photon Podcast. And welcome in if you're a brand new listener. We do appreciate you being here. We're still having a lot of fun. And i got to give, of course, the obligatory shout-out to my friends in Paris, Texas. Main trading company who came through with the free walkie-talkie we gave away last week. Handy talkie and correct ham speak, if you will. Gave it away to Chuck up in, well, I said PA. Actually, his ISP is in PA. He actually resides in New Jersey. And uh, Chuck, congratulations. Really excited uh, to, to, for you to have received it already as it crossed the Mason-Dixon line the following day past the drawing. So congratulations again to Chuck. And a big thank you to Maine Trading Company for making that happen. Guys, they are the best place to go if you're getting into the amateur radio hobby, if you're already in the hobby and you need some gear. If you've got a limited budget or an unlimited budget, they have something to fit your wallet. And that could sound like it could be on TV, but it's not. It's on the Photon Podcast. They are our sponsor, and you can find them at mtcradio.com, mtcradio.com. Tell them the Photon Podcast sent you. All right, we've got to get into this episode. This is episode number eight, and we're rolling along toward a dozen, and I'm still surprised. I mean, I'm still having fun, and it's trying sometimes, but uh, hey, you know, we we all have a lot of things going on, but I've got a lot of great stuff coming up. So don't go anywhere. Most especially regarding this episode, we've got Ed Cope coming up in just a moment on the line. Ed is currently, he's currently deployed in Afghanistan. And we got finally connected on Skype, and it's a great call. I cannot wait to to share it with you. So let's get on there right now. This is Tango Echo 6. No, no, it's not. I'm sorry. It's not. It's Tango 6 Echo Charlie. Tango 6 Echo Charlie, it's Ed Cope from Afghanistan. Ed, welcome in to the Photon Podcast. Hey, thanks a lot, Kale. I, I appreciate it, and I look forward to every show. Well, well good. That's uh, If we don't have anyone listening at home, we have one guy listening in Afghanistan. Yes, exactly, but I know <laughs> you, you have a lot more listeners than that. You know, it's, it's been quite, a, quite an amazing journey. No idea that we would be where we are with listeners and feedback and, and uh, the kind of kind of success, if you will, uh, for this. So I'm really excited. I'm excited to have you on. This is something that we've talked about, wow, maybe since episode one or two, uh, or maybe three, where we were going to try to make a connection, and here we are. Uh, I've actually progressed so far in the hobby that I have a smartphone now that I can use as my hotspot here on the farm to uh, make a call to Afghanistan over Skype and record both sides, and here we are with the conversation, Ed. 
Again, thanks for being with us. I know it's evening over there, and it's early morning here for me, so we're opposite sides of the world. Yep, it's my pleasure to be here. So Ed is uh, is deployed into Afghanistan, and Ed uh, works in logistics. Do you want to touch on that just real quick? Because you know everybody's going to want to know what what's going on there. Sure. Um, you know, what I do as a warrant officer um, at home is, is basically I'm an expert in supply logistics, and it's pretty much that expertise that they've called on here uh, to be as an advisor to the Afghan army in their national supply chain logistics system. So uh, basically what I do is I'm an advisor um, for the Afghan army's national depot, and I advise them pretty much in every aspect of their logistics system. They're just now getting modernized and computerized, so that's a transition they're getting used to. Um, so that's pretty much what I do on a day-to-day basis is go out and work with them every day. And when he's not uh, pushing supplies around the country of Afghanistan, he's got a little radio with him and he's making contacts all over the world. And you may have spotted him. You may have even had a contact with him. Tango 6 Echo Charlie, which is a just an amazingly cool-sounding call. Um Tell us a little bit about what got you into amateur radio, Ed, and how you wound up being uh, licensed to use those those skills there in Afghanistan. Well, I'd, I'd always been interested in amateur radio. I've only been licensed uh, since June of 2012, and uh, I guess prior to prior to that, why I never really pursued it was like a lot of folks, you know, the the uh, uh, Morse code requirements uh, back when the, the license still had that restriction put me off. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be one of the no-code guys. Um, <laughs> but, you know, because it really did. It opened up to a lot of folks. You know, now, now granted, once you give them that taste, you know, then people, you know, I do want to eventually get into code, and, and uh, so I will. Um, but since I've been deployed to Afghanistan since... Uh, July of last year um, is when I really got into um, a lot of the deeper aspects, the esoteric aspects of, of ham radio, um, which all I had done prior to that was some two-meter phone and 10-meter phone and, and just got my general shortly before getting deployed. And so all my contacts as KF7WNX are all phone and you know, since I've been here, took a big gulp of the Yellowcraft Kool-Aid and got a KX3 and have pretty much worked every single other mode to include uh, Morse code. I've, I've got a few contacts, Morse code, um, since I've been here. So everything, pretty much every other aspect of it I've is been self-taught since I've been here. You know, I've found that the, the hobby is, um, is a lot of on-the-job training. You know, there's three tests now that we get to take and be involved in our local community if we have a, a local community to be involved in. But it seems to me that the majority of everything that I've learned outside the book knowledge is is doing it. And it sounds like that's what you've had to do. Um, and you've had some success with it. I mean, you've got people chasing you all over. And, uh, and that's simply because you took the, uh, took the time to learn how to operate. Tell us a little bit about the KX3. Um, that you've got along with, I think you use an iPad if I'm not mistaken, 
go go through the hardware and, and how you came to how you came to making the decision that the KX3 was the radio for you in the operational sense that you're using now. Well, I I'd been watching you know some of the amateur radio magazines um, before the KX3 was released, and it really intrigued me. You know, especially with its resident onboard ability to code and decode uh, RIDI and PSK. Um, so that, that kind of intrigued me. And then after I got here, I was like, well, uh, the radio I have at home is a old boat anchor Kenwood uh, TS530. It's about 70 pounds of radio. And there was no way I was going to bring that. And so the KX3 was like, man, that's that's perfect. You know, it's the size of a big paperback book, and it's easy to pack. And and sure enough, I've, I've bought it since I've been here in Afghanistan and have been using it connected to my laptop with uh, Ham Radio Deluxe software and just now started getting into um, the iPad and working it with a piglet. Uh, which I, I don't have enough experience working that yet. I've, I've been able to run it directly from the iPad, um, but haven't had rig control until I, I just got the piglet here about two or three weeks ago. And uh, so I'm still working on uh, operating the radio with the piglet. But other than that, I've, I've been pretty much operating with the uh, um, Ham Radio Deluxe and the KX3 using all different modes, uh, uh, you know, mostly PSK31 or PSK, I should say. I've, I've got a lot of 63 and 125 contacts and some other oddball contacts that um, seem to be popular in this part of the world. I occasionally pop in on a weekend and hear Feld Hell or, or Slow Scan Television and sometimes jump in on that. Um but it's it's been very interesting so far. You know, I was uh, I was thinking the other day about the different modes and the different ways to operate and how how we all kind of find our own niche or our own part of something we we really enjoy from the hobby. And uh, well, actually, Jeremy spurred spurred the uh, KF7IJZ when we did the interview a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it's it's so funny because. As a younger man, I, I was just always intrigued with talking on the radio. You know, I, I'm a talker. I like to talk. Uh, but you've got some folks who enjoy the propagation and being on the air, but they don't want to talk. And the digital modes are so marvelous for that, including you know Morse code CW. And I think it's really cool. I mean, you got over there, you realized, hey, I can use my license here. I can I can talk kinda, um, but you're able to do it. I don't want to say in an unconventional way because it is conventional, but you're able to, to make the, the contacts with uh, the digital modes, and it just further shows how uh, a lot of hams who are only sideband guys uh, are missing out a lot on what else is out there. And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to get into that end of the, uh, that end of the hobby. I mean, you can come home and get you a signal link or something or a Donner digital device, and you can have your 530 running on digital as well. Yeah, that's, that's going to be one of the things that's interesting when I get home. Because um, like I said, my home call, 100% of my contacts, my QSOs are all SSB at home, which is, it's kind of disappointing when I look at my contact log here, and I maybe have a dozen phone 
calls here, and I'm up to I think just shy of 500 QSOs here in Afghanistan, and maybe a dozen of them are flown. So, wow. yeah, it's going to be interesting when I get back. You know, working with my old boat anchor 530 plus the the KX3, and uh, you know, see how I'm going to have my station set up at home once you know integrate all the things that I've learned here with with what I have at home. Well, I can imagine you'll probably have to find one of those little 100-watt amplifiers. Well, you're gonna, I have You're going to be... Oh, okay. You, you, I, you're yeah, be, I do. I do have one. I've got uh, serial number 88. Ellacraft was, was kind enough to jump me ahead of the line Wow. Uh, last year for Christmas. And, yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have got it until, like, May. But they jumped me ahead of the line, and I got it last year, and then had an RF board go out on it after four QSOs. Wow. So I sent it back for warranty work, and about that time, I didn't know how long I was going to be in Afghanistan. I was due to come home in April, and then I ended up getting extended to the end of this year. So when I sent the uh, amp back to Ellacraft for warranty work, um, when they completed it, I told them just to send it home because it was still unclear whether or not how long I was going to be here in Afghanistan. Well, as it turns out, I end up I did get extended here until the end of the year, and so I had my wife send the amp to me, and when I got the amp, uh, still packaged from Ellacraft, um, when when she sent it, and they had forgot to put all my cables. In. And so I contacted Ellacraft, and they, they found my cables and sent them to me. So I ended up being without an amp for probably probably five months that I didn't have an amp here. And so the majority of my calls, my QSOs as Tango 6 Echo Charlie, have been QRP. Mm. So it's kind of like doing a uh, summits on the air all the Every, time. Every day. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be surprised um, how much QRP will teach you about the, the hobby. It's like going back to the basics, as uh, somebody on one of our other favorite ham forums mentioned, that uh, uh, doing QRP is like uh, going back to the twenty two long rifle to master your marksmanship skills. Right. And, and QRP really teaches you the importance of getting your antenna you know anybody can pour 1500 watts into a potato and you'll get something yeah yeah more more likely french fries but you'll get something you'll make (laughs) some contact but if you pour 10 watts into a perfectly tuned antenna you can you know i've gotten as far as japan and south africa from from here wow is when you're uh when you're on on the air and operating i'm assuming you're being spotted um is there, I would imagine that there's quite a desire for an Afghanistan contact. Is that a correct assumption? Oh, yes. Um, I can tell, well, where I'm at now, the first six or eight months where I operated, I could operate directly from my room, had the antenna on the roof, and I could sit on the computer and be on the Internet and the radio at the same time. So I could watch the spots as they came in. Mm. Where I have to operate now, I actually pack laptop and radio and amp and everything power supply into my backpack and go climb 
to the top of uh, a building here and operate and I'm, have no access to the internet uh, when I'm operating. So I can tell when somebody spots me because I'll start getting mobbed by Russians and Italians. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes they'll just, they'll sit, you know, 100, 150 hertz either side of you. There'll be 10, 15 people, 150 hertz either side of your contact calling you. Wow. You know, and so I can tell when, when I get spotted. So I, I get mobbed. It's kind of uh, disconcerting to uh, be on the other end of a pileup because normally, you know, you know, normally at home when you're chasing DX, you know, you're, you are part of the pileup. And so it's, it's interesting being on the de-expedition side of it, kind of, you know, I guess, I guess I kind of am on a government-funded de-expedition. Yeah, there you go. Thanks, <laughs> Uncle Sam. Yeah, nice to do something useful. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's interesting being, learning how to operate on this side of the pile. I was uh, speaking with a, a gentleman recently, Art, from Arkansas, uh, Arizona, sorry, and uh He's done quite a quite a bit of de expeditions over the time that he's been licensed, and he said that that is one of the uh, one of the things that can really make or break an operating system or an operating time like that is the controlling of the pilot and how some people have it and some people are capable of doing it, mm-hmm. others don't have it and they know that they don't have it, and further there are some people that think they do they don't and they just make a big mess. Uh, and you're you're just being licensed approximately two right at two years two and a half mm-hmm. years, yep. uh, and and coming over and, and running pileups. I'm almost assured by the time you get home from deployment, you're going to be quite a uh, quite a pilot master. Yeah, it it does. And all I you know I don't really do anything fancy like work splits. Um, I I just take everybody in turn. You know, and if if people jump in on my frequency and jump over top of me and I see somebody was doing the right thing and waiting their turn, I'll just ignore the person that's jumping in and, and take people in turn and save the rude people for last. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, some if they hang around. And, and believe it or not, most people, you know, despite some of the pileups we've heard, you know, from other, you know, famous de-expeditions, for the most part, it's people are polite about it, so they'll, they'll wait their turn. And ham radio folks generally seem to be, for the most part, pretty polite to each other over the radio. Very good. Yeah, as long as we're not on twenty, about halfway up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you're, you're climbing to the top of a building now and, and operating. Is this the picture? The, one of the last photos I've seen. Uh, where you have the antenna kind of clamped on to a guardrail kind of a thing, and you're there with your KX3 and your Condor deployment bag. Is that is that how you're now, operating now? That that uh, when I was that's the picture of me operating with my iPad. I was just out mobile one day, um, and I we were going to have a meeting with the uh, Afghan Army and at another location, and I knew they were going to be late. And I knew most of the day was going to be a waste of time. I, I knew that going into it. So I just said, well, why not throw the radio and see if I can make it work with an iPad? And so I threw it in there and climbed to the top of the building, which the manager that runs it is like, you know, come on up top. It's the best view of Kabul. And so I was like, <laughs> well, 
if it's got a good view, it's also got a good antenna horizon. So right. I brought everything up with me and hooked it up, and it got had enough time to make two or three QSOs um, off the iPad, which is still a learning curve, um, as opposed to you know using your computer. And you know, made a few QSOs and took it apart and. Um, I think I've posted some pictures before of me operating on the building, which I, there's a picnic table on top of the roof of this building, and I just bring the laptop and the radio and amplifier and the whole nine yards and, and uh, set up from there. What kind of antenna are you using, Ed, when you, when you operate from the roof? Well, I started out with a buddy stick yeah, with some additional accessories. Um, when I got the KX3, I ordered the buddy stick with it and ordered some of their shock cord whips, uh, extended length uh, shock cord whips rather than the, you know, like the old car antenna or CB uh, walkie-talkie type of telescoping antenna. It's, it's a shock cord whip antenna that's extra length, and I ordered some extra mast sections. And when I was living at the other base, it was pretty nice because I could just set it up. And I had a capacity hat on it as well. And so it was probably 35, 40 feet off the ground, and it was probably 14-foot tall vertical. And had it grounded to the roof of my uh, building that I was living in, which is a metal Connex container, basically. So it grounded right to the roof and made a perfect... Uh, counterplane to it and then upgraded to I thought well since I've got you know the buddy buddy pole which is essentially half of a buddy stick so I just ordered a couple more arms and pieces and that way now I've got a buddy uh, or a buddy pole to go with uh, you know having the uh, ease of portability of the buddy stick so then I got to looking at it, and it's like, well, you know what? If I just get two more pieces, I'll have not only a buddy pole, but a buddy pole and a buddy stick. So that's now <laughs> what I have. And it's funny how how amateur radio accessories multiply. It's kind of like a Harley Davidson. You know, you can't just buy one piece of an accessory. I have a whole catalog of accessories. Yes. Yeah, I can definitely see. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah, how radios just multiply like triples on yeah. Star Trek, you know. You just come back one day and you're like, where'd all this amateur radio stuff come from? <laughs> That's what's going to happen. You're going to get home and your wife said, you just had this old big radio that glowed when yeah. you were here and what's all this crap you bringing home, you know? Yeah. yeah Are you... Uh, end up bringing ahead. home more amateur radio stuff than I am military stuff around here. <laughs> so let me ask you, um, you're in logistics, uh, but are there any other operators or other licensees around you, or you do you kind of find yourself standing in your own field? There is a, a friend of mine that I've made through Mars, um, which Mars requires you to have an amateur radio license, and he and I are the only Mars operators in Afghanistan, and he's also an amateur radio guy, um, and. There are at least four or five other uh, Westerners who are uh, 
licensed Afghan amateurs that I'm aware of. But yeah, we're we're a pretty small club. Wow. Um, so there's that I know of. There's between nine and twelve amateur radio operators in Afghanistan at the moment. No wonder you're so special. <laughs> So yeah. tell tell us a little bit about Mars uh, to the effect that you can, and because uh, a lot of people are unaware of what Mars even is, and I know that it's kind of a closed kind of group, but touch on that if you can for the listener here. Well, it's it's not really a closed group. I mean, anyone in amateur radio who wants to join Mars can. Um, and what what the purpose of it is, and it's it's kind of been. It used to be a bigger thing back in the day than it is now, because um, the Army, like most of society, has come to rely on cheap and easy communications. We've got satellites all over the place. We can talk to anybody anywhere. Well, back in the day, uh, the purpose of Mars, and especially like uh, a lot of your older Vietnam vets will remember, you know, hey, I called home from Vietnam using a Mars station. Mm-hmm. And that's that's how it typically used to be used, is it was for morale of the troops, and additionally, it had a its primary goal was uh, backup emergency communications for the Department of Defense. Well, morale calls are almost non-existent because we've I mean you and I are talking to each other, <laughs> you know, eight thousand miles away via Skype. You know, over in broadband internet connection, real easy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, whereas HF, we would we would fight a lot harder for you and I to make make a voice call. So, uh, what Mars has morphed into now is primarily a uh, backup emergency communications system for the Department of Defense. And um, so, like, if there were some sort of civil disaster here in Afghanistan, which there has been in the past. There's been uh, avalanches and such where Mars has been utilized. Um, most of the official communications channels are going to be handling you know, more of the priority communications, whereas Mars would pick up the slack with routine and uh, lower priority communications. Cool, cool. So you're able to be used on the in more than one aspect, on either side of the pond. That's correct. Yes, and that—that's yeah. Mars is something I've joined since I've been here, and that's something that I will stick with when I when I go back home as well. well very um, good. It's, it's been very enjoyable. I would like to uh, do a program on Mars. Uh, so if we have some Mars individuals who could share a little bit about that and and its uh, operation, would be great. Hey, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a couple of minutes. We've got Ed Cope on the line with us, Tango 6 Echo Charlie, if he's calling to you from Afghanistan. If you find him here in the States, he'll be Kilo Foxtrot 7 Whiskey November X-Ray, which is a lot more to say than he's having to say right now. Ed, hang on. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Photon Podcast. 
Visit mtcradio.com today. A great one-stop mom-and-pop shop for everything ham radio. Radios, antennas, power supplies, wire and cable, books and training materials, microphones, headsets, and accessories. Find popular brands like MFJ, Heil Sound, Jetstream, LDG, Alinko, Comet, Texas Bugcatcher, Radio Waves, and more. mtcradio.com, an authorized Kenwood and Icom dealer. mtcradio.com. Main Trading Company still has the new ham and the ham package available. They're both discounted. They both include free shipping. And Christy, even just this other, let's see, this past week, commented that if one of the packages that they've got put together doesn't suit you, they would change it to suit what you need to further and advance your end of the hobby according to your needs. So you need to call them if you're looking for any kind of gear new or used. They are the first place you should call. Even if you don't see it on their website and you still want or need something, call them, see if they've got it in the store. It's mtcradio.com. Now, let's get back to Ed. We're going to finish this up as we roll along. Tango 6, Echo Charlie, Ed Cope from Afghanistan here on the Photon Podcast. All right, so we're back on the Photon Podcast. Our guest this episode is Ed Cope, Tango 6, Echo Charlie. You may be scratching your head, that doesn't sound like an American call, and it's not. It's actually his call while he's deployed active duty in Kabul, Afghanistan. Ed's call here in the States is Kilo Foxtrot 7 Whiskey November X-Ray. And Ed, uh, one of the things that we, we need to cover is we know that you can be licensed and go to Afghanistan, but to operate there legally, you have to obtain a special call from that area. How in the world did you go about doing that with a brand new call sign here in the U.S.? Well, um, before I got deployed, and I knew I wanted to uh, stay involved in amateur radio, I did some investigation um, to see how to get an Afghan um, Ministry of Communications amateur radio license. And for an Afghan citizen, it's one thing. Uh, but for NATO coalition uh, partners here in Afghanistan, it's another procedure. And basically what it is, is is you submit your application through the NATO channels, and then they submit it on your behalf to the Afghan Ministry of Communications. Um, There's no fee for it. Normally it's the equivalent of a $10 fee, which would be approximately 500 Afghani um, and the it, the weight is what's hard. It's it, I think it took it was about ten weeks before I got my license. So I submitted it shortly after I got here, and uh, kept checking back. And, and uh, the office that was handling it happened to be operated by the Belgians and the Polish uh, NATO partners. So I, I kept bugging them. <laughs> To, to bug the Afghan Ministry of Communications of, like, hey, where's my license? And finally, one day it came, and um, 
is nothing fancy. It's basically all they do is just sign off on your NATO application form saying that it's approved, and they write in the margin your call. <laughs> and and all it is is Tango 6, and then whatever your first and last initial is generally the rule of thumb of how it works uh, when assigning calls to foreigners. Wow. So uh, it, it was it was a... Uh, I bet you felt... I bet you felt like the guys back in the day who had to go to the FCC office and wait to take the test and then take the test and then wait for weeks and weeks to get your license in the mail. Uh, I'm, you know, now I'm, that, yeah, I'm sure there was some feeling like that, uh, which I can't imagine how it was like that in the old days because, like, for Montana, where which is where I'm from at home, the only FCC office is in Helena, which is like a three-hour drive. For, and I just, I can't imagine doing that, you know, back in the day of having to go and, and take all your testing at the FCC. And, maybe uh, this is, uh, maybe this was done just to make you appreciate you didn't have to learn code to get your, get your license. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> you know, the one, the one thing about it though is, uh, you know, a lot of the modes, you know, and I, a lot of the old timers will complain about, well, the, these no code guys don't know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they may have some point. But, you know, when you really get into the hobby, you know, it's like getting into the firearms hobby. You know, you just want to learn every aspect of it. Um, Maybe not master every aspect of it, but you want to learn every aspect of it. And uh, code is one of those things that, you know, I'm, I'm probably, I can listen 15 to 20 words a minute and I can in, I can input code maybe six so right. <laughs> I can hear it better than I can input it yeah yeah you know I could be studying code right now but I am uh, producing a podcast about amateur radio <laughs> so I don't know when the extra in the code will be learned but uh, I told myself the other day I said you know you probably should have got those other hurdles taken care of before you tried this but that's okay because We've got a good following, and we're having a lot of fun with the Photon Podcast. Uh, Ed, how do you listen to the Photon Podcast in, in Afghanistan? Um, I uh, either download it or play it off of your uh, whatever site you host it on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I just play it directly from there. Okay. Um, it's one of a few um, uh, amateur radio podcasts that I do listen to. Um, and so, you know, it's one of the ways I entertain myself. Um, another, you know, when, when the, like I tried getting the, the station set up last night, and you would have thought people had spread lead dust in the air. It's, oh, my. I, don't know if, I don't know if my signal even made it uh, out of cobble. It was completely dead air yesterday. So on slow nights like that, when I can't operate, I've downloaded some applications to my iPad. The, the, one of them is a code practice one, but the other is the, uh, uh, actually it was, it's the ham test practice from uh, Pignology. Yeah. He's, he's got an app. Um, Our friend for, Nick. Yeah, for, for your uh, ham test. So I've been practicing with the, the extra, the element four, I guess it is, um, uh, extra uh, testing 
because I do plan on, on taking that when I get back. Fantastic. Um, going back just a little bit to the to the ease of communications nowadays, and you touched on Uncle Sam using the cheapest and easiest, and we're all used to that. I mean, we're like you said, we're communicating 8,000 miles through a hotspot on my phone and a computer there. Um, do you see anybody around, or do guys look at you funny, or do they have questions that you're serving with? Why are you doing that, or how hard is it to do what you're doing? Are you gaining any ground? Um, uh, I think that another podcaster calls us evangels, but... Um, yeah. Are you are you getting anywhere? Have you spurned any interest in anyone uh, with the you know, amateur hobby? You know what's funny? Um, most of the younger guys look at it, and by younger, I've, I've been in the army for twenty nine years now. Um, so, yeah, pretty much anybody with less than twenty, I consider a young guy. But <laughs> a lot of you, a lot of your younger guys, you know, the the iPhone generation, because I'm still running around with a flip phone at home. Um, look at it and go, well, well, we've got Skype and we've got this app and that app and why would you bother with such an expensive radio and all kind of expensive accessories when you can get an iPhone and do it on Skype for, you know, whatever. You know, we've got broadband wireless here at the camp. Well, and so I look at them and, and, and say... Yeah, but look at this cool thing you can do. You can hook up to RMS Express and WinLink 2000, and I can send an email when the power is out. Mm. And so they're like, oh, well, I hadn't thought of that. That's kind of cool. And some of the older guys, the uh, the close to the Vietnam generation and, and the Vietnam generation, the guys who remember Mars, and when they asked me about it and and – see some of the, the new things that you can truly do with it, like WinLink 2000. And I've been able to hit the WinLink 2000 server in Russia, in northern Siberia, a couple of times and have um, an email listing of, of folks who uh, you know are looking for a spot for when Tango 6 Echo Charlie's on the air. And if I can, what I'll try and do is get on WinLink 2000 and send them an email saying, hey, I'm online. And that'll all be via HF without any Internet whatsoever. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that you can send an email over HF. So um, that's almost like a QSO within a QSO. Yeah, it kind of is, you know, because it's, you know, for those that haven't played with uh, WinLink 2000, you can attach small files and and send everything via HF. It's really interesting. Keep up with how your kids are growing at home uh, through slow scan TV. Yeah, you could. That That's quite a bit more, more uh, bandwidth, but yeah, right. you could. So uh, you're you're out there. You're you've been licensed for two and a half two and a half years or so. Um, did you did you ever think going into the military, say fifteen years into it, that um, you would be a ham radio nerd? I mean, was that ever? I, I know that I always wanted to do it, but it was the like you said, the Morse that kept me away, and, and a lot of other things got in the way. But um, was it something you were always drawn to, or is it just kind of grew over time 
It is something that I've always been drawn to and always wanted to do. And like a lot of folks, more uh, requirements kept me away. And then I don't remember when the Morse requirements were dropped. I want to say it was the late 90s, early 2000 or something like that. Um, but, you know, like a lot of folks, other things and other interests and other deployments um, have kept me away from the hobby. And then finally, uh, a little over two years ago, I just said, you know what, the heck with it. Let's, um, you know, I don't have kids, so my hobby is collecting hobbies. And so... <laughs> So, so I went and took the test and got the, the my tech ticket, and then about six or eight weeks later, went and got back, uh, you know, studied some more, got my general, and and have just been. Um, it's really on this deployment where I've really learned the most, um, because like I said, prior to coming here, all I had done really was was phone contacts. Um, but I have a pretty decent setup at home with the, the old boat anchor TS530, which is a fantastic radio, and uh, a Hustler 6B TV vertical antenna in the backyard. And, and I've got you know some good QSOs at home, and I look forward to, when I get back, uh, hooking up the Elecraft to it and see what it'll do. Yeah, then you can uh, go sit in the backyard and play radio like you were playing it in Afghanistan. Absolutely. From the comfort of my deck. <laughs> there you go. With yeah. some uh, sweet iced tea and and uh, hot dogs or whatnot on the grill. Absolutely. Cool stuff, man. Well, Ed, I, uh, I appreciate your time. I know that it, this has been quite a long time coming, and I apologize. It's taken me some time to uh, accumulate things to have the capacity to make the recording to get everything tied together here. And I, I really hope it comes out and sounds good for the listeners. Uh, we appreciate them listening. And, uh, of course, we appreciate your service to our fine nation and the world, we have to say nowadays. But yeah, um, My pleasure. Yeah, it's uh, been interesting listening to your show. I've listened to every single episode. And uh, it, it's, I mean, you're doing a really great job. And, and every guest you've had has been very interesting to listen to. It's It's been very good. I hope I live up to uh, my predecessors. Well, absolutely. I, I know that I've been impressed and learned a lot. Uh, you know, we see things on the news and we see pictures and we read stories on Drudge or whatnot about what's going on overseas, and we, unless we've been there, and, and I've never had the pleasure to serve, uh, but uh, know those that have. Uh, it is a different world, but you're still able to... Um, I think it goes to show how... Uh, redundant amateur radio as a hobby and as a form of communication really is to be there where you're at and to be able to do what you're doing communications wise is um is a good testament to the strength of the hobby very much so and uh it's interesting like i said from operating qrp is the majority of the time like i have and listening to um, obviously, the majority of my contacts have been in Europe and um, Northern Asia, like uh, Siberia, Russian Siberia, and China. Um, you know, the hobby has some very interesting aspects, different from the American side. Um, you know, some of the European contacts, you know, to get their licenses, they have they have to get like a listening license in some of the countries where 
they send out, you know, QS or SWL reports saying, hey, I, I heard you. And they have to get so many of those in some countries before they can even get their, what would be equivalent to a tech license for us at home. Wow. So it, it's very, you know, the hobby is strong in America and abroad, even with the ease of the Internet and communications that we have, it still remains popular. But it, it continues to evolve as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's, this, you're operating there is, is a, a fine example of what can be done very minimally to make contacts uh, across uh, the country, across the nation, so those who are, are interested in communications here at home and in times of emergency or need, I think that the way that you're doing things, you've got the no Internet connection necessarily, and you've got, mm-hmm. uh, you're on a rooftop with a piglet and an iPad, and uh, Nick, is, Nick is helping you make the contacts. And you know, just, just to further show folks, it doesn't take loads of money. It doesn't take an antenna farm in your backyard that costs more than your house. Uh, this hobby is a very affordable hobby. But, but it is a hobby, so that means it's going to cost you something. But the reward is pretty great on what's your investment. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, one of your previous guests, uh, Dan Passero, on uh, his expedition to the Dry Tortugas, that was a perfect example of, you know, how you could set up in a, you know, grid down or power down emergency. And his was a, you know, I, I got some great ideas from, from his interview. And, uh, you know, for the solar panels and stuff, I mean, it, yeah, all you guys cost me money every time. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nick. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, and we're going to blame Gerald and uh, Jim in there as well. We always blame Jim. Jim yeah. gets blamed for everything. Um, well, very good, man. I appreciate you again being on the uh, the show and, and Godspeed on your return home and as you finish your tour there. Uh, thanks again, Ed. We've so there you go, it's Ed Cope, Tango 6, Echo Charlie. What an awesome call. I mean, from a dude with a 1x3, that's a pretty sweet call, man. Tango 6, Echo Charlie, Ed Cope, man, thanks again for, for being a part of the Photon Podcast, for letting us in on what you're doing over there in Afghanistan. And did you guys pick up where he's using one of our former guests, his gear, the pig, the pigtail from Pignology? Yeah, don't forget, Pignology still has a coupon for Photon listeners. You can find it in the show notes. I think that was like episode number I can't remember, and I don't have my notes in front of me, so I'm sorry, but it's on there. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. Ed Cope, serving in Afghanistan, and to all of you who may be listening, who are serving or who have served our great nation, thank you from the bottom of our hearts here at the Photon Podcast. We're going to be back next time, and we're going to start a series on becoming a ham, a new ham. Uh, I want to become a ham, but I don't know what in the world you guys are talking about. We're going to tackle those questions, okay? And if you do have some questions, call the phone line. You'll find the number on the website. Call the phone line. Leave us a message. That way we can hear your questions and then replay them, and we'll answer them here on the program as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you guys. God bless America. 73. for downloading, listening, and subscribing to AmateurRadio15.com presents Photon, the other ham radio podcast. You can find our past episodes, 
web links, and more at AmateurRadio15.com. That's AmateurRadio15.com. Follow us on Twitter at Fowtime Podcast. And remember to visit our show sponsor, Main Trading Company, at MTCRadio.com. Till next time, 73s.